0: I usually create our intro after filming the podcast, and that's exactly what I'm doing today. You do not want to miss this with our guest today, Dr. Rob Kelly. I always remind everybody to remain a student because we got great teachers out there. I've worked in the industry for almost 20 years, and because I keep my ears and my eyes open, there isn't a single person that I interact with who doesn't bring something to the table. Every client I work with, Teaches me something. And for those who think that I've been in recovery for a long time and I don't hear anything that I haven't said or heard before, so what am I learning? I'm going to tell you that you haven't listened or looked close enough. Sometimes it can be as simple as a new perspective. I want to mention a couple of podcasts that I think are worth listening to. I had a guest a while back, Richard Kaufman, who hosts Vertical Momentum Resiliency Podcast. And it says that their podcast is to let people know that their past does not dictate your future. And you can go to VerticalMomentumPodcast.com to check it out. I also want to mention my co-host on Walk a Mile in My Shoes podcast, Lona Curry. It's called Recovery Soul Food. Now, stay tuned for Dr. Rob Kelly, and we're going to be right back. My name is Eric McCoy and this is high wall clean. I want to say real quick, I love getting high and I want to remind everybody that just because you get clean and sober doesn't mean you stop getting high. We do it differently. You know, the only reason that you feel highness from a chemical is because you already possess it. You know, the coolest part about how I get high today is that there are no side effects. It's free and it's legal. Today, is no exception, and I have a guest today that I am going to get high with. And you know, I want to say some real quick. And as our regular listeners, so know some of my story. Uh, anybody that, of course, has read "Pain, Failure, and Misery" are the stepping stones to success. You'll know quite a bit more of my story. Meth was that potion that brought Mr. Hyde out, but there are actually very few substances that I haven't really abused at one point in time of my life. Uh, whether it be alcohol, opiates, cocaine, set hypnotics, and even tried not to come down from hallucinations like LSD. Obviously, didn't have much success with that. Uh, tolerance, withdrawal, isolation, incarceration, financially broke, homelessness, and the stigma that society puts on us. If anybody saw our podcast with Kalichi, and of course, I think he said it best, as he saw in posts that he had, that people saw us as useless, waste of society, we should be brought into a back alley and put out of our misery. Now, those are those I think are quite a bit of a buzz kill. Now combine that with our friends or acquaintances that keep dying at record numbers. There's something different we can do. And it requires a slightly altered perception. I think looking at the world a little bit differently and finding exactly the same thing that we're looking for in drugs or alcohol. Emotional stability, feeling good. Now, what does that take? Well, love yourself. I guess today is going to bring us more knowledge and information to consider, and all you really need to do to begin with is to remain a student. So I got Dr. Rob Kelly, who's a PhD. Um, As I was kind of going over his I think he did way too much schooling, two PhDs.
1: (laughs) I know. Typical alcoholic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to post all of his contributions with shows that he's been on. I know like The Doctor, Good Morning Texas, Ken's Five Morning News. Uh, He's also contributed to uh, Miracles uh, and Recovery USA Today. Also a study on the stigma associated with mental illness. Uh, Dr. Kelly has hosted... Sober Celebs show on KLIF radio in Dallas currently hosts the breaking through addiction podcast. And he has created, let's get back to 98% recovery, which are DVDs that are used in prisons and recovery treatment centers throughout the United States. He lectures on addictions and trauma universities, national conferences, treatment facilities, public schools, churches, business organizations and hospitals. He's currently the CEO of the Rob. Kelly Recovery Group. Uh, That's an addiction and mental illness recovery coaching company. He's also the author of a book titled Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. He's also, again, like I said, I think done a ridiculous amount of school, PhD in psychology, Trinity College, Oxford University, PhD in psychology from University of Southampton, nationally certified recovery coach, somatic experience practitioner certified, certified life coach, certified neuro-linguistic practitioner, certified international interventionist, and certified brain spotting practitioner. I tried to do it all in one breath. And I quit smoking, so that actually helped. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how you doing, man?
1: All right, great to be here, man. Hi, guys, good to see you. i uh, just point out my first... Uh... PhD is psychology, but my second PhD is behavioral science under the heading. So have you heard, Eric was right when he said two PhDs in psychology, but the second one was behavioral science, which I absolutely love when it comes to addiction.
0: Yeah. Now, I know, um, and we don't necessarily have to get too much into this, but you know, you obviously have information on substance abuse yourself. Um, if you just kind of wanted to just give a real quick uh, synopsis of your experience.
1: Yeah, sure. I'm an alcoholic myself. I'm a recovered alcoholic. So my first drink at the age of nine. So I know all about this disease. I know all about the suffering, same as you, Eric. Lost kids, lost uh, everything. End up homeless, begging on the streets. And uh, my journey back has been phenomenal. Uh, when you know when I finally got off the streets, and I, I'm one of those guys. I believe in what the the science tells me. I'm a neuroscience guy uh, and a quantum physics guy, and a behavioral scientist. Is that when you when you stop drinking and using drugs? Uh, you can have anything you want back. You can have anything you want in life. Uh, quantum physics tells us this. So my journey back was always aggressive and was always going to be the person I am today because I, I, we kind of have two lives in, in addiction. We have, you know, first life that we mess up and then our second lives. So we're the only person, p- people in the world that get two lives in one lifetime. And for me, the second one coming back is there's no holds barred. You know, what are you going to do i mean i signed an office a lease in dallas a couple of years ago for like a million dollars and everybody was freaking out it's like what can you do to me that's not been done to me already you know i'm taking these chances i'm living life you know to the to the full i had a saying on the streets when i got off i used to i used to dream of living now i'm living the dream and everybody can do it so i've been in the industry for 35 years i've uh, in and out i've worked with over uh, probably 8,000 people over the last 35 years uh leading them to uh, recovery and uh, relationships with higher powers and you know just uh, relationships with families getting the kids back getting the houses cars wife husband jobs you know I make it all exciting while we're doing it because this is amazing you know once you once you put the drink and alcohol down and the drugs down you can go on to do some amazing things so i have to be living proof of that and so i am and here i am today all happy to be here
0: yeah No matter where you've been or what you've done, you can do anything you want if you're willing to fight for it.
1: 100%, 100%, 100%. 100%. What you can imagine and think, you can hold in your hand. The vision of that, that's quantum physics, and the actual mechanics and the neuroscience of the disease and who we are. Uh, Alcoholics slightly different from drug addicts. Alcoholics are born, drug addicts are made. It's going to blow people's minds, but that's how it is. Uh, There's three parts of the brain with the alcoholic brain that show up similar, present themselves similar, as, as drug addicts so we are all the same in, in that fact but yeah there's three parts of the brain that differ uh, and once we uh once we correct those and we have that psychic change spiritual awakening our dna changes
0: you know my story and a lot of people i've worked with over the years you know obviously being incarcerated you know i'm a six-time convicted felon um and it's something that you know for me was a big passion i loved working with alternative sentencing And that was something, and that saying that I said was, you know, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you can do anything you want if you want to fight for it. Because I believe, you know, that so many people hold themselves back with the, I'm a felon, who's going to hire me, what am I going to do?
1: It's so true, you know, and I hear this time and time again. Um, It's just, it's bullshit is what it is, and it's bullshit thinking, but it's wrong. And, And God bless the guys that are still there, but we can help you the way out me and Eric, uh, of this program is going to be an amazing program. We show you the way out of that thinking because that's what we want to do. Uh, I know people that are friends of mine that, that are running uh, huge multi-billion dollar companies uh, that hire felons. Uh, myself, uh, we only hire felons. So if you want to come in my, my company and, and be a therapist, then you know, we're the guys. You know, if we're hiring, you, you know, the other guy. So uh, th- there's places, there's loads of places that don't. So yeah, that mentality of poor me, poor me has to stop. Cause I grabbed hold of that for 10 years and ran with that. And you know, the only thing that happened to me is I'm relapsed. That's what happened to me. So I, I'm it, the actual, when you look at the neuroscience of this, the, the alcoholic addicted brain or the drug addicted brain is far more superior than the normal brain. So when you come out of that fog of that drinking and self-sabotage, Because alcohol has one percent to do with alcoholism. By the way, and the same with drugs. It's all about self-sabotage and trauma. Once I correct that and get out of that, yeah, you can do anything you want. Of course, you can. And if and if you're in an area that nobody's hiring, start your own company. Then start hiring felons or start hiring ex-alcoholics and drug addicts. They're amazing people, just like us.
0: I love that. Hire felons only.
1: (laughs) It's right. It's like why wouldn't you? You know, if I look at the normal person that comes to me for a job, he's probably a thousand jobs before. If I look at somebody who's been there, done it, been to prison, uh, had all them life experiences, then turn the life around. They're the guys that I want to hire because they're a hundred percent in. I, I'm still of the, 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 the mindset because I'm 61 now. So I don't give a shit. If it, oh, you should be saying that. It's like, yeah, give me a brick. You know, I'm almost out of here. So, you know, I'm going to say pisses people off and annoys other people, but it, it's true. You know, uh, get it done, get your life back. There's not much time. Because everyone thinks they have time. I went to bed last night. I was nineteen. Woke up this morning, sixty-one. Yeah. There's no time. People think: get that girl, buy that house, rent that car. You know, date that boyfriend. Do it now, because you know that's one of the biggest things I ask people at my age. You know, what's the one thing you regret? And everyone says the same, Eric. Maybe you too. I thought I had more time. We don't. Remember the baby you were cradling last week in your arms? Now going to college. Yeah. Remember that guy? That's how life goes by so quickly. Absolutely. And if you don't live in that 24 hours, I'm not talking about sobriety. I'm talking about living in that 24-hour uh, mindset because a couple of parts of the brain reset every 24 hours. It's not an AA or NA thing. This is a, a neuroscience thing. And you live in that 24 hours. What can you cram into that day? Stop putting shit off until the next day, because one day you wake up and you're 61, you've done nothing with your life because you're always gonna, when I retire, when I get this, when no, do it now.
0: I, I love that because, and I, you know, I work with a lot of clients and stuff and I. that's one thing I'll ask them is, is you know, what is it, that? what mark do you want to leave on the world?
1: Yeah, it's, it's true, you know, if you're not changing the world, what are you doing? I asked all my patients and all my sponsors, if we're not changing the world, what we're doing, because if you're not changing the world, go drink. If you're not changing the world, go use drugs. Go go, do it. What are you doing? When are you getting clean and sober for what? To sit in the same place, mumbling about the same old crap, not doing nothing with your life? This is about me when I get clean and sober. It's what I can bring to human beings around the world. How can I How can I help you today? You know, and, and everybody I've worked with have changed the world in, in some way, or, or you know whatever, it's small or big, it makes no difference. But if you're not changing the world, go drink, guys. This is, this is crazy how amazing we can be.
0: You guys are the luckiest people in the world because we have, we have enough pain. We have enough suffering that we've gone through that it slaps us in the face. We get an opportunity and we work on things that other people don't. I mean, who, who wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I'm going to work on my self-esteem today?
1: It <laughs> doesn't happen, does it? We get two lives in one lifetime. I've already messed the first one up. Not going to mess the second one up. This is what it's about, working on me, being the best person that I can be and giving away freely. I'm lucky enough. uh, I'm a spiritual guy, so my God has has blessed me with all sorts of stuff in the last, you know, 30 years I've been in this game, 30-odd years. And uh, I bless monetary every time I leave the house. I'm lucky enough and blessed enough to do that. I help people. I give my time. I give my money. I give me. I give the family. We we have sober Sundays at the house. You know, we we employ felons. We, We do all these things because we can. You know, we love what we do because we do what we love. And I think when you find that position, when you find your own niche in life, like why am I here? I mean, I almost died because of this stuff. In actual fact, I died twice and they brought me back to life. You know, why am I here? Once you find that niche of why you are here, man, life is amazing. You know, don't money? Look, earning a million dollars is pretty easy. Believe it or not, it's pretty easy. It's staying sane and staying at that level that, that's hard, you know? Because we've all been there, done it, been there, done it, but we always come down, working on yourself, being that person, being that calm, and peace between the ears. You can have all the money you want. If you've not got peace between the ears, go drink. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to be pissed off at me, Eric. Why does this guy say go drink? If you're not living your best life and helping other human beings, go drink.
0: You brought up relapse, now you had a relapse?
1: No, no, I just said uh, when we come back from relapse,
0: Oh, okay. Oh, in the early
1: days, oh my god, there was no one worse than me. Yeah. I, I relapsed every single, you know, every single reason. Because relapse is a self-sabotage behavior. Going back to trauma as a kid, trauma's the gateway drug, you know. So I was I was a chronic relapser. People used to always say, Hey Rob, what's your trigger? My trigger? My triggers if it's raining, if it's sunshine, if it's how how dad, that, 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 that. I don't care a trigger. When I get up in the morning, my brain says drink, you can't stop me. I will stab you in the face if you try and get between me and alcohol when I'm in that mindset. So there was no triggers for me, but yeah. But once I, once I went to a 12 step group, I found out this program that I could work 100% and it would take the compulsion away to drink. So what I looked at, I wanted to look the neuroscience side of it to see if it matches with these guys that wrote that book on them years ago. And it does, it, it really, what these guys were saying Turns out to be too in neuroscience. It's like once I redirect neural pathways away from self-sabotage, and my sabotage is alcohol and other stuff as well, but mainly alcohol, then everything starts to change, and my behavior changes, and everything works out to be pretty good, to me. Yeah.
0: And I know one of the things on your thing was uh, you know breaking the stigma of mental illness, and it's another thing that I've always thought about, you know, like a duty that we can ultimately have too is you know, again society looks at us like we're pieces of shit we we'll yeah. you know, we're, we're a waste of space but nowadays you know we get an opportunity to show the world that no that's not who we are
1: we're
0: yeah. somebody different
1: 100 i love that yeah we call it a mental injury because we believe you can get over it but yeah mental illness mental injury uh, i have a i do a lot of talking around universities, schools colleges churches and uh, I, I, I've been known in the past with a couple of churches, probably 10 or 12 churches, where the pastor and everybody's bought me by surprise, the main members, and I've sat outside begging for money when everyone's going to church. This is part of my, my uh, uh, presentation. And people, I'd probably get about 60 cents or something as people put a little bit of money and all walking past in the brand new shoes and stuff. Um, and then what I would do is I would come on stage, the pastor would go, this guy was outside, bring him on stage. And I would start to tell my story and you could see the people looking at me going, Oh God, why is he here? And then what happens is I, I, I tell the story of how I've lost everything and you know, how I was outside your building and, and I don't want to do blah, blah, blah. And then another guy comes and I go off and I get changed into my, into our scrubs, you know, and uh, the guy introduced me. and i like, come on as, as a Dr. Rob Kelly uh, with all the books and movies and everything I've done. And people are astounded. And I go, this is the real me, but you walk past me. An hour ago, and we're all supposed to be God people. That that was me outside begging with no shoes, and you know, it was all like a pot on. But it shows you that you know, people still treat the alcoholic or addict uh, with disdain. You could see the look of disdain on their face when they pass you, and that was me, but this is me now. And no matter where you are in the world, no matter what kind of society standard you have, whether it be poor or rich, alcoholism is there. So when you, when you walk past someone who's trying to recover from alcoholism and begging on the streets, one day your son might be asking him for help because he's going through this shit. So you never know. It's, it's the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. And the other thing is once we get well, we can help these people. We really can. So you never know who you're looking at. People used to spit on me. They used to throw soiled diapers at me when I was unconscious on the floor Uh, because I drank myself to almost a death. And today I help people like that. So, you know, let's bring it out the closet. It's what I've been trying to do for, I think I've been in America now for 15 years, is bring it out the closet. It's not a dirty illness, it's not too embarrassing. And the most important thing that you need to know from me as a doctor is this, it's not a choice. Don't ever think an alcoholic or addict has a choice once they've passed that threshold you don't, it's been taken away. So when you bring it out, help more people start talking about it more.
0: You know, obviously the start of it's a choice, you know, that I choose to do it, but but, but
1: who the hell chooses addiction? Nobody in the right mind. Yeah. let get up this morning. You know what? I'm going to get up this morning, hate everybody, try and kill everybody and drink myself to death. This just doesn't happen, okay. you know? And that's where we get into the neuroscience of it is you've got to look, is this hereditary? Does it go back generations? If I drink, well, I always end up like this. Well, alcoholics do, and drug addicts do from, from uh, hereditary, a predisposition, passed down. Um, other people can drink like crazy, come out of it, go to work next day, stop drinking, whatever. Uh, people take drugs, party every night, blah, blah, blah. When you get a serious job, they stop taking it. But then the people like me and you can't do that.
0: Everything we do, we do for a reason, right? And so when we go out and we do drugs or we do alcohol or we do, it works, whatever it is that we're trying to, to get from it, yes you know, whether it alleviates depression or it allows me to not have to deal with the trauma that I went through in my life. Um, and it, it seems to solve the problem. So it becomes our solution. Other people find works or, you know, other compulsive behaviors, um, and that becomes our solution. And obviously, eventually, it stops working. And so I think that's a big part to it, is is trying to figure out what that is, maybe, you know, that we need to ultimately work on, deal with, you know, whether it be emotional, you know, our emotional issues,
1: self-esteem. So all these parts of the brain is, is affected by alcoholism and addiction. So the insular, the anterior cingulate cortex, all the depression, all the feeling bad, never good enough, never gonna fit in. It's all part of the brain. It's not something that I've devised. I'm not good enough, I can trauma and the way the brain reacts to trauma, then we go into the drinking and using. So we come feeling feel a piece of crap that we're never going to amount to anything. We're never going to be anybody, you know, and if you're sat at home listening to this right now, and, you, and you're feeling you're not good enough, you're never going to be amount to anything, you're a piece of crap, no one cares. I want to apologize to you, because somebody's put that there. It's learned behavior passed down from generation. So. We put a thousand fleas as a as an experiment into a into a big mason jar, huge mason jar, and we screwed the top on. And we put holes in the top, we left it for three days. When we come back to the thousand fleas, who can jump three and four feet in the air, as we know? And we took the top off the mason jar, not one flea jumped higher than where the lid was. Okay? That's interesting, but what's even more interesting is when they had babies inside that jar, the babies who had never seen the lid would not jump higher than where the lid was. Learned behavior. So if our parents were, were drunks and, and violent in the house, that's what you will grow up to be. And somebody who's come out of a traumatic, alcoholic, dysfunctional house, where dad hits mom and all sorts of craziness, they go out into relationship, that's the people they're attracted to. Because it's the norm, it's the core belief and the behavior. So when the night, when that girl coming out as the teens and twenties comes out and starts living on her own, she will attract with energy the kind of person that her dad was. And what happens if she goes into a relationship and the guy is a decent guy, never, never don't believe in violence or anything, she will self sabotage that behavior because it feels uncomfortable. That's the craziness part of the trauma. We go back to where we think is our comfort zone back to the violence, back to the you know alcoholism, back to the dysfunction because it's comfortable for us. And part of the you know, programs that we work around the world take us in to live a normal life, but then we become extraordinary with the way our thinking, our work on ourselves that we can pass to others.
0: You know, I've been in the industry for 20 years now, and, and I love doing these shows because I learn things all the time. I know hopefully our listeners do, but I am a student uh always what is brain
1: spotting brain spotting is a recent over five six seven years it it came out it's basically it's a bit like emdr is where you're following with your with your eyes but what brain spotting is doesn't use lights to distract you Uh, it's a direct input from the the pupil down the cord into the subconscious brain so basically what you're doing through flickers of the eyes, you're looking for traumatic events that are subconscious. So if you come to me, you go, I've this, i had that, and create a plane accident, blah, blah, blah. What this does is it goes back and it finds the traumatic incidents in your life through flickering of eyes and, and other signs to look for, so you can actually bring it out the patient. You can bring that out. And that's what we can look at. Because a lot of people think that there's the eye and there's the brain. And there's optical cord. No, that's not true. And you can Google this, guys, if you think I'm crazy. The eye's part of the brain. What happens when we were forming over the generations and generations and hundreds and thousands of years, what happens is the, the brain got bulged in the head and the eyes came out of the socket and, and they were here. That's how we developed, it's part of the brain. So once you get into the brain at the front, eyes, pupil, you can search into the back of the brain and bring all that trauma out. Unbelievable, phenomenal results we've had with that.
0: You know, I grew up in. I just want to get your thoughts on this. So, I grew up in a family uh, where I did not see substance abuse. Uh, I now, I you know, I could look back and sure, my grandfather never met him in my life. Apparently, had an alcohol problem. Um, you know, as far as trauma, uh, now there's certain things that I think happened that I'm not sure. I don't fully remember, although I do have um, some experiences with him that were weird. Um, where, you know, he's talking about orgies and cocaine and doing all this kind of stuff, which you normally don't talk with with juvenile. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that?
1: Traumatic events are usually blocked away because we can't handle them at the time. So they're stored away in certain parts of the brain. Uh, We very rarely go back and pick them apart. So trauma 15, 10, 15 years ago was a plane crash, a divorce, a car crash. A beating up at school. But as we go further on into addiction and look at the subconscious brain, is trauma needs to be picked apart completely. So what's traumatic to me as an alcoholic is not traumatic to the guy next door. Okay, so here's how to define real quick in layman's terms. Me and my brother have stood on the kitchen table, we're both nine or ten years old. My mom walks into the kitchen and she says, Guys, when you get down off that table. Get down, you stupid idiots, get down. My brother jumps off the table laughing and I freeze. And this is where it gets real interesting. I freeze because what I've heard, get out of that table, you stupid idiot. That's trauma. So we're both obviously brothers, so where's the trauma come from? Then we go back, the complication of that addiction passed down from generation to generation is we really have to understand the trauma. You know, we have to understand how it affects us. Alcoholics and addicts are usually on a high performance wire all the time. They're on edge, they listen to things, we hear things differently. Alcoholics will tell you this. uh, And we're on that high all the time of nervousness, any movement, and, and after a long time, it starts to get wary, you know? And we're on this full alert all the time. The brain is on full alert. Parts of the brain is on full alert all the time. The amygdala, which is kind of a smoke alarm for, for the whole of the brain is is actually ping, 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 ping of all these things that are happening. So we're in that state. There's only two, reason, uh, two ways to get rid of that feeling and the trauma on a daily basis. And one is to get well and get help. Or the other is to drink. And nine out of 10 times people are going to take a drink and it calms everything down. And we'll take to another level where we can breathe again. Next day and wake up, we're back again. The, the alarm bells are going up, that's trauma. You know, we, we did studies of, and it just happened to be a woman with a wife, but a, a, a housewife living in a dysfunctional alcoholic home where there's violence whenever father gets drunk. We did tests pertaining to the brain being up with trauma and guys coming back from Afghanistan. Now, thank you to our service guys. We love you, thank you for your service. Let's put that aside for a second. The brain signals and the traumatic events, therefore effects on the brain were identical from the guy coming back from war and the woman in an alcoholic, dysfunctional, violent house. Both didn't know when it was gonna be the last day. They're both walking around on eggshells every day. Never know it's gonna kick off. It's a that's trauma. Both of them suffering from trauma. But you wouldn't think of it at the time so when you look at drama as a whole you've really got to pick it apart
0: i love that because yeah i mean a lot of it has to do with perception the way one person sees something is different than another person
1: i love that i love that i love that word perception eric you hit there because if i if i I, is this a famous saying, but you know what is perception well if i told you to put your hand on a on a hot flame for five minutes it's going to seem like an hour but if I told you sit with a really pretty woman for an hour, it's going to feel like five minutes. So the perspective is all there to what we actually think, how we feel. So then again, trauma is involved with that. You know, I can't today sit around or watch a movie or anything where there's a baby crying. That to me is huge trauma because when my kids were taken off me, the ages one and three, because I was too drunk and I'd left them alone, while I was drinking for like two days, two or three days. No, no food, no diapers, nothing. Nearly killed them. When I woke up, they were crying. So a crying of a baby on a moving. I have to turn it off. It's too much. It's too much trauma for me. And the guy next door to me thinking, "What you do? What, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy?" It's trauma that I have that will probably never go away, despite how much work I do on it. So once you recognize the trauma, once you uncover discover, and discard of the trauma, you will always suffer from that, always suffer from it. And the idea is to, to box all that up, to get it dealt with, and to get rid of it as quick as possible, then we can start to look at life differently again.
0: Yeah, yeah I, you know, I wrote a book, you know, I was mentioning that pain, failure, and misery are the stepping stones to success. And it was very interesting for me because I really got to analyze my life. You know and i started really seeing things that i've never really realized you know before uh, we moved a lot as a kid you know moving from one location to another i was a probably an oversensitive individual i like what you had said you know that really anxiety type you know person um, i also think i dealt with depression i also think and again there's situation with my uncle because as a young child i got so heavy into masturbation um, that's That was extreme. I like what you said. I, I should probably do therapy with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I, I always think that even though, you know, those of us in this field, we probably need still a lot of therapy, you know?
1: I, I see a therapist every week, you know, without fail, because I think you can't do this yourself. You can't deal with something yourself because we can't be our own yardstick. We can't be our own measuring stick. You know, there has to be somebody else that corrects us and goes, ah, ah, no. You know, that's wrong because it's crazy. It's insane to think that you can correct your brain by telling them to do something. It's not gonna happen. You know, most of the trauma and drinking and is done a knee-jerk reaction. I mean, alcoholism and addiction as a whole sits in the subconscious brain. So I don't know when I'm gonna relapse, you don't. That's the kind of stuff in the early days. Once we obviously change the way we think, we rewire the brain and the central nervous system, then we can cope. Before that, we have no idea when we're gonna relapse. Probably this afternoon, I don't know. That's how crazy it is. And once we set everything into perspective, like you said, and know have the tools today to deal with that, then you have to live a successful life. I will not accept anything less from my sponsees and patients than them living the dream and living this amazing life. It's just, if you, like I say, again, I'm sorry to say it, guys, go drink if you're not going to do this. This is not about the alcohol. This is not about the drugs. You know, what's an alcoholic? Someone who drinks too much alcohol, not the truth. Not the truth. 1%, remember, 1% percent. has got nothing to do, hardly nothing to do with the disease. It's all about self-savage, trauma, and how Rob hates Rob because of everything that's happened in the past. Because people can, the, the most hurtful tool I can see around me is my tongue. When I was drinking, I could take somebody down in seconds. You know, no need to do that. Once I get once I get myself sorted out, then I'm careful how I speak. Because there's a couple of things you can't do and one of it is once it's released out the, out the mouth you can't take that back and you can damage a lot of people I can ruin someone's day in seconds you know but why would we do that and once that change happens it's beautiful
0: I had 11 years clean and sober back in 2013 uh, completely lost my passion mm. um, I went from you know that and I, I I literally described the Dr Jekyll Mr Hyde because I literally went from confident, you know, had had a certain love for myself, you know, respected myself, I'd give you the shirt off my back, and I made the craziest decision to take a hit off a pipe of meth, and I instantly went from, I don't give a fuck about you, I will rob from you, I will steal from you, uh, instantaneously, you know, there's a lot of shame, obviously, that comes, and you know, you're like you're going back to rehab. You know, during those 11 years, I worked in the field. I was counselor, program director, clinical director, owned a program. You know, people go like, damn, wouldn't you know? (laughs) But I look at it today, and I'm actually grateful for the experience because I got to see the power behind that transformation so blatantly that a lot of people don't see it like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unrecognizable, I would say, you know, from what we were to what we are today. But the thing is about our last relapse and our horrible life. We think it's horrible is our horrible life becomes the greatest asset going forward. Cause you go, what do you know, Eric? What do you know? You know, what do you know? You, you know, you know, I've seen your car, I've seen your house. I've seen you once. T- you don't know about anything about homeless nursing. And we go sit down and we talk to you about that. We go, what you were homeless. Yeah. You have to do this. You know, if, if I wasn't homeless, then how could I sit down with somebody who was and, and, and say, hey, listen, I know how you feel. I've no idea how he felt unless I've been there. And I think when alcoholics now, it starts to get, well, wow, the greatest asset moving forward. And, and it's known that one alcoholic to another, that's where the power is. Because I'm looking for a pair. I'm looking for a way out. And I need to find somebody who's already been there, done it, and knows the way out. And And, and there's millions of us around. Can you imagine being, dropped in India or China somewhere and you ask somebody for directions and the guy goes, wow, well, you know, do you know where Johnson Street is? Well, I think it's down there, turn left. I mean, I've never been there, but I've heard it's over on the left somewhere. You're not going to get there. You pull up against somebody else, Johnson Street. Oh yeah, I've been there. I know exactly where it is. You're going to get to Johnson Street. It's the same thing in recovery. If you're taking bullshit off somebody who do not know what I'm talking about, you're going to relapse and maybe die. So it's really important that we pick, our sponsors, our mentors, our therapists, our doctors, we do it for us because it's our lives. This is your life we're talking about, you know, and we sometimes we put it in care. It's like, I'm not condoning on, you know, but let's put it this way. I get depressed. What's the first thing I do? I tell my friend, I feel really depressed. He goes, Hey, have you seen the doctor? No, I'll go and see him. i go and see a doctor and he prescribes me an SSR, which is a slow release serotonin. I take that in a few weeks, I feel as, back, as good as ever, and back to normal, okay? That's all well and good, but why aren't we asking the question, why the fuck is your serotonin low in the first place? Oh, oh, why is your serotonin low? I mean, there's, there's four good field chemicals we need every single day, endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin. If you've not got all them flowing, you're gonna be depressed. Why are you not getting that? But we don't. We follow like sheep and it all starts. I can categorically tell you that about 90%, maybe higher, but let's be a conservative on this. 90% of people that come to us with a heroin addiction started in the doctor's office. And that's why I kind of show disdain and a little bit anger when I say that because there's no need for it. There's no need for it. There are certain people who need to take because of chemicals imbalance. I get that, guys. But that's not everybody, you know, start living a good life. Start acting like you're amazing. Start, you know, getting into recovery. Start seeing a therapist and start living the best way you can today. Remember, you don't have time. Do it today. And your life will get better and better and better. Because we weren't meant, as this is my belief and my opinion, from my 30-odd years of being in, in, in recovery, is we were always meant to suffer, to go on to do great things. I mean, I've tried to put it down to coincidence. I've tried to go where? No, it's a bullshit. I'm 61, I don't give a shit. You know, I'm just gonna say how it is. We're put through this shit in our lives so we can go on and help other people. It's like our, I always say my homelessness, 14 months I was on the streets begging, you know, i died twice on the streets, you know, on just benches, in in doorways. That's how I slept, you know? That was the reason for that. And when I look back now, the loss of my kids and everything, the loss, it's like a semester at harvard university the stuff i learned from that stuff was phenomenal going forward to help other people that's the magic every alcoholic and addict that's got well we have been chosen to do not not a lot of people make it guys because you can't rely on the statistics you're hey you know alcoholism you up to 10 percent now we, we've been at we've been at hospital doors checking people in on friday and saturday night in richardson dallas texas 90% of people came through that door was high on drugs, or wasted on alcohol. There were 12 deaths one night, all of them 12 deaths went down as accident, uh, liver failure, you know, left frying pan on them. all alcoholics and addicts who died, but not one of them was put down as alcoholic death or drug addiction or overdose It's put down as other things. So we can't rely on the numbers that we're hearing. Everybody knows somebody has a problem with alcohol and drugs, and if you don't, it's probably you.
0: I wanted to say, man, you're a beautiful man, you know. I, li- I like what you do, you've got a great message. I, I do want to ask real quick, too, and I, you know, obviously, I've done studies on this, but the le- neuro linguistic program
1: NLP is one of the best tools around, especially for people in addiction, but people with trauma or want to want to save their life so. Before I tell you of my opinion on that, let me give you a little backstory that I hope will make people smile. Uh, my eldest daughter, Charlie, Charlotte, her name is called Charlie, uh, was taken off when she was three years old. The police and the authorities took her from my arms. Uh, I was served with unfit father papers. She said three things to me as she walked away. She's like this with mummy, don't forget, she's the only a little tot. And she walked down the path and he said, Daddy, daddy, please don't go. And halfway upon the path, she said, daddy, daddy, please get better. And then she got to this big gate, because we used to be very wealthy, open the big gate and she turned around one more time, almost 26, 28, 30 years ago, and said, daddy, daddy, please stop drinking, okay? <clears throat> That's the name of the book because of that. Two years ago, or three years ago, I'm horrible on time. I, we, we're estranged, never seen her, don't know where she is. Tried to get in contact, no answer for years and years and years and years. Get yeah, a message on, on Messenger. <clears throat> hey, Dad, this is Charlie. Three o'clock in the morning here. It's, it's night and um, nine o'clock or something in England. Ting. opened the phone. I looked at. I woke my wife up. I says Charlie. Charlie. And I freaked out and I was crying and said I want to see you, Dad. So I texted back. Oh my God! And you know, oh my God! Oh my God! anyway, we jumped on the plane. And we went back. And uh, when I uh, when I got to the house i was so nervous man you'll know this eric the um the shame i've not been there for a first boyfriend the first bike ride all that stuff came up and it was just the worst thing but i knew god had me there and we opened the door and we hugged and we cried and i thought that was the best thing ever and then she walked me into my into her living room. And she handed me my three month old granddaughter. That girl said, dad, I wanna do what you do. So we sent her back to college university and she studied neurologistic programming. And she, as two years ago, opened my Manchester office as my lead NLP therapist. So that's a great story behind that. But let me tell you, NLP is phenomenal. You can rewire, literally rewire brains. Their neuroplasticity, we can, we can rewire, we can remold the brain. Medical fraternity only really conquered this 10 years ago. Whereas we've known it, a lot of people have known it, millions of people know known it for years, but that's what she does. She changes the way people thinks. She rewires, redirects self sabotage neural pathways and creates positive neural pathways for future. So these are the tools we use, NLP, psychology, brain spotting, uh, somatic experience, and uh, psychology and uh, behavioral science. It's, that's what we use. That's our program We're using all them things. And we think we are the lead, well, we don't think, we know we are the leaders in the industry. We're very quiet. We, we tend to deal with a lot of you know affluent, famous people because we like to keep it underground. Uh, we've worked with over 8,000 people, but yeah, they're the tools we use. You know? It's phenomenal. That's the key. The key is that the the trauma, it's not the alcohol and drugs, the bad bad news or the trauma, get back to the trauma, sort it out, get on with your life. Everybody can recover. Everybody who's miserable can recover. Everybody who has depression can recover. Everyone has all these illnesses that we carry around is bullshit, okay? There's a way to get rid of all of that. And one of the main keys, like you said, Eric, was NLP.
0: Yeah, we got doctors just creating all kinds of new problems that people have, (laughs) and so much of it is bullshit.
1: I think it, yeah. I mean, look, look. here's the deal. If you think you can fix drug addiction with a drug, go have it. Go go and try that deal, you know? But I'll tell you now, it doesn't work. It's like me as an alcoholic saying, well, I'll tell you what, don't give me that vodka. Just give me that that beer. I'll be okay. You're not going to be okay, you know? Second question, anybody, regarding your health, especially in America, everyone wants to give you a pill. The pharmaceutical companies run this country. So don't always be hoodwinked. Into some of these things that they want you want to do. get a second opinion always. Psychiatrists, God bless them. First of all, thank you for what you do, but they have three minutes per patient. Okay, so if you're not thinking properly, they're going to stack you with Adderall. That's what they do. They don't want to do that. They don't have time. They have six hundred patients to see that day. You're not going to get a look in. So just be careful. Treat everything with a second thought. You know.
0: All they're treating symptoms.
1: Exactly. They're not, not, and that's another thing we do. We don't the problem needs to be looked at, not the symptom. Alcohol, drugs, uh, adderall, symptom. What's the problem? What's the cause and conditions of what I'm suffering from, regardless of addiction? What's the cause and conditions? How did I get there? Why is my brain wired for self-sabotage? And how do I get out of this situation? And everybody can recover, everybody, unless you've got serious brain damage or run across the or or something like that, you can recover. I'm looking at my board now over there. I only take on four patients at any one time. Three of those patients are not even alcoholic addicts. They're trauma sufferers. They want to better their lives. Their, their career has crashed because of self-sabotage. So it's all about helping. It's all about moving forward and being excited about this shit. I, I'm, I'm excited now about recovery as the first day I walked in when I started this deal because it's exciting seeing people change, get their life back, getting their wife back, kids back. I guarantee people in the coming, you want your kids back? We'll get them back. what do you mean? We'll get them back. That's how we're going to rewire your brain. And don't worry about the apartment. We'll pay for that for 12 months. For Don't worry about little car. Oh, you want a suit for an interview? We've got you. We personally gave $150,000, me and my wife, every year to people who need this stuff. People who are getting their life back. One parent family need to go to family court. We'll pay for that stuff. We'll buy you an attorney that's going to work for you. If you really, really want to get well, you can get well. And that's why God has given me money and and, and, and all this stuff is to give to other people. This is not my money. money. Hey, listen guys, <clears throat> if you're not on picking, I'm kind of saying, if money makes you happy, I got some fucking bad news for you. It doesn't, okay? It does not make you happy. As people say all the time, well, look at him. Now he's rich, he's a dick. No, he was always a dick. Money doesn't change you, it just emphasizes who you are so if you're a kind guy want to give up when you get money you'll give it away just like we do it's a beautiful feeling i can sleep well at nighttime as well
0: i see you know money for people that think that money brings them happiness it brings fear what it does i always i always like to teach that you know appreciation right appreciation the strongest outbound form of love the idea of giving of everything and asking for nothing and they've defined that your mind cannot be in the state of fear and appreciation at the same time yeah. Beautiful. I like that. I love that. Appreciation of the antidote to fear. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. I love that, Eric.
0: Hey, I want to thank you for doing this. I want to ask you and I ask everybody this. Um, if you were to give a message to those that are suffering, what would you say?
1: Uh, <clears throat> first of all, everything's temporary, by the way. Okay. <clears throat> everything's temporary. Uh, this too will pass. I hated that saying, but it's true, unfortunately. So everything's temporary. Nothing lasts forever, okay? So everything's gonna come and go, so don't worry about it. But I wanna say something real nice. I hope it's nice I anyway. Mean, if you're sat at home and you think, you're not, you're not you know, up to anything, you can't do anything, you've been pushed down, everyone thinks you're a piece of shit. First of all, again, I wanna to apologize to you. Someone's put that there. But secondly, I would rather talk to you for 10 minutes than hear of your funeral, okay? So if you're in that place where you feel as if you're not going anywhere, you feel, as if suicide around the corner. This phone number, which is my personal phone number, is for you, 214-600-0210. It's not my office, not my assistant, it's me, okay? And don't think you can't call me as well. I'm the guy that sold his kids out for alcohol and stabbed his wife three times one night. Remember, that's me. So I ever think you can't call me. You text me first of all, and if I'm with a patient, I'll text you back, but I will call you, and me and you, I'm gonna have a pep talk that will change your fucking life, and you know if it doesn't, I'll send you a hundred dollars for your time. I've never sent anybody a hundred dollars to this date, but it's up for offer. What I'm trying to say is, I'm still in the trenches, despite what you see on TV, the books, and all that shit that keeps my wife happy and pays the mortgage. Me and you are in these together. So if you're listening to this message, guy, you was always meant to listen to this message and hear me talking to you, sat at home, to call me to get this shit started.
0: I love that, and I'll, I'll post your. Uh phone number up on this so uh, brilliant but uh man you're amazing that's awesome Bang. <laughs> <laughs> so uh hey man i really do i want to thank you for doing this i i you know you got a lot of great information um you obviously got a big heart and uh and you're obviously doing this for the right reason.
1: yes i like i like to think so you know i think when we keep that that strong heart when we know where we belong where we really remember where we've been to this at the at the end of the day, and I hate the Beatles. I don't hate them, so I don't like the music. But uh, they talk about love being everything, it's all we need, and I truly believe it is. I think the more we love each other, the better life gets. Because without that, what are we? We're just guys sitting around doing shit. Remember one thing, guys, and I'll leave you with this. If you're not changing the world, what the fuck are you doing?
0: Yeah, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another episode of High Wall Clean. And as I always like to say, let's keep getting high but let's do it clean.